flag is a sign of conquest. When you see we landed on the moon, we plant the flag because we are it's a sign of conquest. When we go to Iwo Jima and we win that war, we plant our flag because we won. When you see a pride flag on a church, that church has been conquered. It is no longer serving Christ the King. All are welcome but Jesus Christ. Hey, my friends, we are still here at the Coalition for Canceled Priest Conference, and they're just incredible speakers. One whom you really need to get to know uh, is someone who runs a podcast called Avoiding Babylon. His name is Anthony Abate, and he's got a very interesting take on the whole new thing we're experiencing with the woke culture and everything else, but as a new religion. You're going to want to stay tuned for this episode of The John Henry Weston Show. Hey friends, this July, we at LifeSite are celebrating 25 years of service to life, faith, family, and freedom with a gala in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So especially for those of you who couldn't join us in the United States, LifeSite is gathering our whole team and a few very special guests in the pro-life and pro-family movement for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity at our newly announced 25th anniversary Canadian gala. LifeSite's star video reporter Jim Hale will be there with an onstage special with the 16-year-old Canadian pro-family hero, Josh Alexander. Experience LifeSite's Faith and Reason show live with Father James Altman and Liz Yore. And you'll be able to interact with our reporters from all over the world, including U.S. Bureau Chief Doug Mainwaring, Canadian reporter Anthony Murdoch, and Rome correspondent Michael Haynes. You'll also hear keynotes from LifeSite co-founder Steve Jelsevac and myself. So RSVP for the 25th anniversary Canadian Gala now. And don't miss the opportunity to get a live, in-person, studio experience of LifeSite's top news show that broadcasts every Friday at 8 p.m., Faith and Reason. Seating is very limited, so RSVP and get your tickets today for LifeSite's 25th anniversary Canadian Gala in the beautiful Hilton Toronto Markham Hotel this July 18th. To buy tickets for the 25th Anniversary Canadian Gala, visit gala25can.lifesitenews.com. I look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. Anthony Abate, so good to be with you. You too, John Henry. <laughs> so let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, Anthony, um, perhaps there's some of our viewers who don't know about you yet. Who are you and what do you do? I have to, before anything, as you were giving that intro, I actually heard the music in my head. <laughs> I heard the dun 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 dun. Um, so I, uh, I started a YouTube channel uh, right around the time of uh, the, the mandate, right? Um, we're on just your channel now, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, the vaccine mandate came out and I felt like I was facing something apocalyptic. It felt almost like a type and foreshadow of the mark of the beast. I was being told if I did not get this mark, I would lose my ability to buy and sell. I mean, it, it, I knew it wasn't the actual mark, but it felt that way. So I started thinking a little deeper about the Christian story. So my, my first video was just about standing up to the mandate. Um, but I really started thinking deeper about the Christian story and saying, where are we in that story? So I named the channel Avoiding Babylon because there's 
actually a story in Daniel 2 of Nebuchadnezzar, where Nebuchadnezzar is the king of kings of Babylon. And he unites Jews and Gentiles through force and tyranny. And there's a prophecy of a head of gold, a chest of silver, uh, the stomach of bronze, and the legs of iron and clay. This is the backdrop that Paul has in Ephesians. When Paul talks about the body of Christ, it's a photographic negative of this image that Daniel, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar's dream has. So the channel is basically just a way to avoid this system of force and tyranny that in the apocalypse says, is now... Oh, it was, it is now, is not now, and will return in the end because there will be a system of control that existed just like during the time of Daniel where something will you try to unite us through force and tyranny again. So the, the idea of the channel name was just we have to avoid this system of control. Yeah. Incredible. Now, you talked about something that is really fascinating and i've often said that the you know this new woke culture really is a religion because it feels like a religion but you've actually broken that down in an incredible way tell us about that okay so uh, it, it kind of dawned on me how you how every single culture that has ever existed has a creation myth so when i start seeing evolution as a creation myth it really just everything else plays out in so evolution as a creation myth, climate change as an apocalypse. They have holy days of obligation, which is basically Pride Month, which we're in right now. They have excommunication, right? So that would be cancel culture. They have original sin, racism, or homophobia. They have, um, it, it, it's, the whole thing is set up as a religion where even when you saw Anthony Bass recently, he spoke out against the Bud Light mandate. Oh, he spoke up in, in favor of the Bud Light mandate. The next day he was flagellating himself in public. I mean, these are, these are all things that you see with the marks of religion. And it just all seems to be setting up where if you, if you see the, the rainbow as an inverse of the cross. So when, when Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men into me. Like there's never been a more true prophecy than that. Really like when Jesus is lifted up, all nations are drawn into him. So when the Vikings, when the Huns, when the barbarians come, they come to rape and pillage. And what happens is they get baptized instead. The rainbow is basically an inverse of the cross where it's drawing all men to Satan. So we know if you see a church with a rainbow flag, that church no longer has Christ as king. It's a church to the dark Lord at that point. So what's scaring me is seeing all the things playing out in our church right now where they're flirting with the idea of incorporating this flag into the Catholic faith. And if I see the flag incorporated into the faith, to me, that's no longer the Catholic faith. They no longer believe in Jesus. So when you see a sign that says, all are welcome with a rainbow flag, all are welcome except Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's very much treated like a religion. Also in that they don't brook any kind of disobedience from the religion. Their, their excommunication is, is very much there, even for the, the faithful. Um, you know, the author of the Harry Potter series, she's woke as anything, <laughs> except she dared to say that women should be women and men should be men. 
with, but she's still pro-homosexual all the way. But okay, so if you understand what's going on with the trans movement, if you look back to ancient cults before the resurrection, there's a cult called uh, the cult of Artemis Ephesia. Now, the, the priests of Artemis Ephesia were men who would castrate themselves and wear women's clothing, and people would take their children to see these priests. This is drag queen story hour. I mean, if you really look and understand what's going on, these ancient cults are just starting to come back on the rise. So when you see J.K. Rowling speak out and say something true, she spoke heresy. Because the LGBTQ is the new one true faith. And when you speak heresy against the one true faith, you get... I mean, it starts with excommunication, but it could also be burned at the stake. So <clears throat> when you see a guy, I mean, even look at what happened with the L.A. Dodgers. When you see the L.A. Dodgers, they invite these sisters of perpetual. And I mean, there's nothing more blasphemous that you could imagine. These are men dressing up as nuns with demonic makeup on. They invite them. Catholics push back, so they disinvite them. But what happens? The Dodgers get af more afraid of the other side than they are of us because we may protest, but we're not violent. And what happens is, if you really understand <clears throat> what happens with Christianity, when, when after the resurrection, when Paul starts talking about the Catholic sexual ethic, this is what actually subdues the earth. So the idea of one man and one woman together for life is an alien concept to the ancient world. So if you look back to Roman society where you have that cult that I was just speaking about, Artemis Ephesia, you also have just the typical Roman citizen who has slaves. You have the same word for a woman's mouth, her vagina, and her anus. The word is the same word that is used for urinal. Men treated women as toilets in the ancient world. Okay, they were just... If, if the, the, what Christ does and what Paul does specifically is calls men and puts an obligation on the male citizen to treat every woman with the dignity of the church. Like, so, so for men, it's you have to treat your wives as Christ does the church and lay down your life. So a lot of people today, especially, they, they try to say, uh, wives be subject to your husbands. But in the ancient world, this is common sense. Women were always subject to their husbands. But the greater call that's shocking is that husbands treat your wives as Christ does the church. This is a, a, a revolutionary teaching that actually is what subdues the earth. So as this goes out, men start to subdue their passions and it frees them up to actually contemplate God. And this is what changes the face of the earth. So when, when Muslims see the Christian teaching of one man, one woman for, for life, they laugh at us. That's preposterous to them, right? Like they have multiple, they have more than one wife, all of them. So this is why Satan attacks marriage. It's why Sister Lucia said the final battle will be over marriage and the family. And you're starting to see a high priest class rise up again. And that's why JK Rowling spoke out against that. And she's getting all this pushback. So there is a concept, though, nowadays, uh, it's been there since the sexual revolution, very much against wives submitting to their husbands. In fact, most of the church leadership has <coughs> also never goes down that road. It's one of the uh, things that almost is never said or never heard. Um, as a more traditional Catholic, 
What's your take on that question, and what's you know where where do you think that comes from? I think something significant happens when Paul VI lays down his papal tiara, almost like a surrendering to this spirit. When when you see, the, first of all, even the idea of feminism only is able to exist because Christianity exists, right? Like so. As I was just saying about the ancient world, women were considered subhuman. But what happens when Christianity comes in is, especially when we meditate upon Our Lady as being the crown of creation, this is what spawns the chivalry movement, where we raise women to the same dignity as men. So now women are only able to start talking the way they are about um, having equal rights and things because they are in a Christian environment. So it, it, this wouldn't even exist without Christianity where it, it's a twisting of the Christian teaching at that point. So everyone has this Christian impulse for empathy. It's, and it's a good impulse, right? So when you even see the Black Lives Matter movement, the idea is they're playing on our human, human uh, urge towards empathy to care for the person who's downtrodden. That's a very Christian impulse. This doesn't exist in any other culture. So when you start seeing these people saying things like you have to care for the poor, you have to care for the downtrodden, and even elevate women to this, to this level, this is a twisting of the Christian teaching. So if anytime we try to subvert Christ's teaching and not do things his way, things go haywire. And that's really just all we're seeing right now, right? So it's, for, for feminism especially is a twisting of the Christian teaching. We know that men and women have equal dignity, but we have different roles. And when you try to subvert those roles, problems always arise. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the, 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Poor Person? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing. You know, I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. So it's very interesting. What do you do? What's your background? Because you've got a wealth of knowledge on the faith, on philosophy, uh, on theology, on history. What's your background? What do you what do you do? Where did this come from? <laughs> High school dropout. Uh, I'm a construction worker, and I just I think that God, I think that God really he 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 makes fools of the wise, right? Like it's not you don't need to have a PhD. You don't need to. I mean, just to really understand the Christian story is something that anybody can grasp. It's not something that he, like, he didn't save that for the, for the wise of this world. So really just understanding that things that happened in the Old Testament prefigure the new. And even the things that we're seeing today, I, I really see, 
I really see the things going on in the hierarchy as a fulfillment of the, the first coming of Christ. So if you look to the first century, you see that the hierarchy colludes with Rome and they crucify the, the Christ. I mean, that's what happens. So a proper typological fulfillment would be the modern hierarchy colluding with the new Rome to crucify the church. And we know that the church will follow our Lord in his passion, death, and resurrection. I don't see any other way that it would be fulfilled other than what we're actually witnessing with the hierarchy right now. It's amazing. You, that's, a, that's a big mouthful. Let's unpack that a little bit because, first of all, what you said at the end there about we know that the uh, church will follow our Lord into his passion. So in the catechism, if you read it, I can't tell you the right number, 675. but 675 in the catechism talks exactly about that. It basically says exactly that. The church, the mystical body of Christ, will follow her head, the Lord, uh, into his passion and cross before uh, his resurrection. So that's coming. That's official church teaching. There's no doubt about it. Um, this addition of it will mirror what happened uh, at the beginning, where the church at the time, the, the Jewish church at the time, the one official church at the time, uh, really betrayed God in his, the Messiah that he sent and colluded with Rome at the time. That means the, the, the powers that were, not, not the Rome of the church, but the governmental or, or world governmental power, if you will. It's being mirrored exactly now with the the hierarchy of the day, which is the church, the, even in the pope and the, and, the, and the cardinals and bishops, colluding with, as they did, especially during this whole lockdown COVID insanity, uh, with the World Economic Forum, the government, the uh, world government, if you will, um, in this sort of insane plan, which was so bizarre because it went against the faith in so many ways. Yes, the jab was abortion-tainted, but it also went against the freedom that the church affords to her children in terms of not having to take uh, an abortion-tainted jab, even if, even if they were legit, which I don't believe they were, even if they were legit in saying that it's remote material cooperation, um, even if that were the case, still you couldn't force Catholics to take it. And yet, in the very Vatican, they force them to take it. In fact, the Vatican, who's supposed to believe in healing, the power of healing, Lourdes, which was for healing, shut down Lourdes. It made no sense. Abby Johnson spoke about that this morning, right? So, like, uh, Abby Johnson spoke this morning. First of all, she was amazing. I, I was expecting a typical talk from Abby Johnson this morning on abortion, and she really got into this whole understanding of the mandate and how that comes down to us. And she literally was quoting documents from the church and she got pushed back from the church. It's such a strange thing that's going on right now. Like you have to really think about what darkness has come over the ministers of the most high God. This is not normal. Like think about what happened with the Dodgers where these, they mock our Lord. And what do the LA bishops do? They say, Oh, well, let's not do anything. Let's dialogue. What are you talking about? Like, we are talking about the most blasphemous thing you could imagine. I can't think of anything more offensive as a Catholic than what we saw at that stadium, and the bishops do nothing. To think that this is just simple cowardice, I mean, you have to be naive at that point. There is a darkness that has descended. Now, I am in New York. Cardinal, Cardinal Dolan, there was an exhibit in a New York church called God is Trans, and they had the most disgusting artwork up. 
Dolan goes in, and what does he say? Oh, just take the sign down. You can leave the artwork up. This is not normal. I mean, you can't. You couldn't even imagine this ten years ago, right? Ten years ago, before before Pope Francis, you you knew these things were lying beneath the surface. They were, but at least you still, every once in a while, a bishop would come out and say, uh, "The National Catholic Reporter can't use the name Catholic." You would see New Way's Ministry wasn't allowed to preach at the typical parish. You you would have priests that spoke for women's ordination would get lose their faculties, things like that. But that's not what's going on anymore. Now we have. We have James Martin as the poster boy for this pontificate. There's something so absurd going on where Francis sends a letter of endorsement during Pride Month to a known peddler of homosexuality. It's it's there's something so dark and mystical going on right now that I mean people really need to open their eyes to it. And if you see what happens in the first century, you see that. The hierarchy colludes with Rome to crucify the Messiah. Now, that, that first century, you have the original Christians are Jews. They're in the temple worshiping with other Jews. What happens is there's a schism. There's an actual schism where, those, where God calls them out. So if you read in Apocalypse 18.4, it actually says, Come out of her, my people, so you do not partake of her sins and her blasphemies. That's not an exact quote, but it's basically the, the, the gist of what Apocalypse 18.4 says. And what happens is God calls his people out of the heretical Sanhedrin, and that's when the Christian church starts. So there's not one Christian dies when the uh, temple is destroyed in 70 A.D., Right, so God says, when you see the uh, the the abomination of desolation, run for the hills. So not one Christian dies because they bring this idol into the temple in around 70 A.D., and that's when the temple comes down. I really think that the Pachamama incident was kind of a prefigurement to something that's going to come. We have the synod and synodality coming up, and I don't know what will happen, but I know this: if you have a church that has a pride flag, that church is no longer a church that has Christ as king. That is a church that has been conquered. A flag is a sign of conquest. When you see we landed on the moon, we plant a flag because we are, it's a sign of conquest. When we go to Iwo Jima and we win that war, we plant our flag because we won. When you see a pride flag on a church, that church has been conquered. It is no longer serving Christ the King. All are welcome but Jesus Christ. And that church is literally a church to the Dark Lord. So if we see anything like that happen in the Synod on Synodality, that is what is a terrifying thought to me. Because these things are so crazy. There are some people that go too far. Like, we still know God is present with his church. We still have Eucharistic miracles. We just saw an incorruptible saint. So this isn't about the Novus Ordo or anything. Like, we know God is still present with his church. We're just waiting for God to separate the wheat from the chaff. That's really how I see it. I, I mean, listen, I am a high school dropout, so I don't want anybody basing anything on what I'm saying. I just try to see things a little mystically, and I try to see things how they unfolded the first time and what we should, and in, in a way, seeing it this way has actually brought me comfort, knowing that this isn't crazy. I mean, we know that Judas is a very big part of the story. Cain kills Abel. Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers, and Judas sells Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So the idea of God's ministers betraying him is kind of baked into the story. It's not crazy to think this way, right? Absolutely not. And God is still in charge of his church. We have nothing to worry about in a way. We see it. We're concerned, obviously. We pray for the conversion of the Pope Francis and 
all of these many ministers, and we know, we pray for them, we hope for their conversion here, because we know the Millstone Award is there. You know, God, our Lord says himself, it'd be better for them that a millstone be tied about their necks and be thrown into the sea, rather than confuse the little ones. And they are confusing the little ones. You're a dad, I'm a dad, my kids have been confused by Pope Francis, yours as well. So you and I had the conversation before, right? So uh, we were talking and just saying, like, what are the things that have really struck us? And you said one of those things was when Pope Francis actually said that he was comparing uh, these unions that were just, you know, uh, out of wedlock unions and saying that they had the grace of marriage. I mean, these things are very hard to, to, to grasp we're all trying to make sense of things right now. I, I, I know some people go the Sede Contus route, some people go east. I can't leave. I, I, I know that we have the promise of Christ that says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, that doesn't mean it won't appear as though they prevailed because things do appear as though they prevail. But no, I know that God still is present in his church and I know that he still loves us. And in some way, I really do find comfort in seeing things in this way. It's just with my children, I've tried to really show them how God does always fulfill his promises. And I try to keep them away from some of the drama because a lot of a lot of people do obsess on the things in Rome, right? Like, and that's a danger for us, especially because we're in this business. So it's a, it's one thing to know what's going on; it's another thing to be checking every two seconds what's happening happening in Rome, what's happening in Rome. So for guys like us, it's it's dangerous, especially because this is kind of our job. So um, I would say for the typical person, know what's going on. But then also just trust God. He know, like he knew what was happening from the foundation of the world. He planned all of this. We have nothing to really worry about. But at the same time, I think the secular world doesn't come after us because we have Francis. Mm -hmm. And Francis is playing with these things, and that's why we don't catch much flack from the secular world. So a lot of people may be going crazy about Francis being in there, but also understand we aren't getting persecution because of that. Because if we do get a holy pope next, the persecution that will accompany him will be harsher than anything anybody can understand. Because when the devil comes back to a house swept clean, we know in Matthew's gospel, what does it say? The bound man is bound, and when the devil returns, he finds the house swept clean, and he returns with seven more demons. Things are going to get bad. We're going to see persecution like we haven't seen since the early church. So as crazy as things are right now, just accept that this is where God has us. God chose us to be alive at this point in time. And just trust in, in his mercy. Last week we had the rally with uh, Bishop Strickland at Dodger Stadium to confront the anti-Catholic, anti-Christian, really anti-Christ display. Um, the Dodgers are an anti-Christian team. They are a team that will be anti-Christian until they disavow, until they apologize for the horror that they awarded. It's unreal. These guys are, I, I, I hesitate even to describe what they do, but they mock Christ. They mock Christianity in the most vile and disgusting ways. And yet the Dodgers, Major League Ball, awards them an award. So America is in a kind of an unbelievable place. What you said about the flags, 
the surrender of the flags and what that means in your parish. It's also happening in small towns everywhere. Small towns across the United States, across Canada. It's happened already in Europe. Small towns out of the way, countrysides are being invaded by this same thing, planting the flags. Libraries for little kids, story hours, drag queen story hours, moms bringing their little kids all over the place. And the pride flags are being flown in these little towns in the township office. So I had a, there's a group that sent me uh, some information on a new movement they started. They call it the Knights of John Paul II. And very, very simple plan, and that's why I think it's so beautiful. What they do is men get together, only men, uh, Saturday mornings before Mass. Um, you know, if your Mass is, let's say, 10 o'clock, just for an example, Saturday morning Mass, 10 o'clock, you get together with your uh, men, join, you say a few prayers of uh, exorcism, the ones for laity only, uh, and then you go out in twos, praying your rosary, holding your rosaries and praying out loud, not shouting, just normally praying your rosary, but just walking all over town in twos, uh, in, in different areas, therefore covering your town. Beautiful movement. That's it. You do that for an hour, then you get home and help your wife get the kids to church. And, uh, you know, very simple, easy thing to do, but it's about taking your town back for Jesus and Mary. I, I just thought I'd get your take on it because I thought, what a beautiful, simple program. What, okay, so something like that is amazing. Even this weekend, I, I've had such an amazing experience. So this is my first conference. This is my first time publicly speaking. So I was extremely nervous. And I kind of, what we just talked about, that was kind of the thesis I laid out in my talk. Meeting people face to face and having these encounters is so important, right? So these men are getting together and they're praying the rosary two by two. We're so caught up online. We're all of us, we're just so, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, whatever you're caught up on, these, it's not real life. And to, to meet other Catholics in real life, and especially this weekend, I mean, I, I, I've been floored by you, John Henry. Like I have, I, I told you earlier, just to see how uh, your humility and how you came and hung out with everyone this weekend. You you didn't think you were anyone special. You came and had real conversations with them. We spent two hours just having a conversation out there last night. Having these encounters with, like, if you have a parish where you have other men, you guys need to form men's groups. We need to have real Catholic connections because if your whole life is in the online world, it's not going to last. You need real life friends. You need real life connections. You need to be having people to support your faith. If you're having your faith all alone, it's a very lonely world and you can lose your faith very easily. It's so important to have real life encounters with people. How old is old enough for your sons to join you in such a venture? Ooh, um, my son is 17 right now, and I've found that as my, as my kids get older, the, the main thing I had to realize was just taking them to Mass and hoping they pick these things up isn't happening, right? Like, you have to have real conversations with your children. And ensuring that, especially my kids, when they see all these things going on, having one-on-one -on -one conversations with my kids has been the most important thing in the world. So sitting, you're, if, you're a, if you're a dad and you have daughters, sit your daughters down because there's a million things coming for their attention, trying to pull them away from Christ. Sit your daughters down, remind them that you are a daughter of the Most High King, you're a princess. Talk to your sons and say, 
you see the insanity out there, right? Like everything, when you lose your identity in God, you lose your identity totally. It's why every conversation we have is about identity politics. It's crazy, right? Like you don't know you're a daughter of God anymore. You don't even know what gender you are anymore. You lose your identity totally. It's in a way it's been, it's easier to evangelize now than it's ever been because the world is so upside down. We're at the canceled priest conference. So priests come here because they said something true and got canceled. There's never been a more important time for you and I to be spiritual fathers because our priestly fathers are being canceled. So like uh, uh, one of the main things that I've really come to, to reflect on in the past two years has been the importance of my role as husband and father. It's, it's something that's such a profound responsibility that God gives us as men. You are not just a leader, protector, provider. You are the priest of your home. And it's such a profound role that God gave you. Everything you do is a reflection of him. Your children, when they see every action you make, they interpret that as a reflection of God, whether you want them to or not. So for us as men, especially, like there's a lot of talk about about wively submission and going against the feminist movement and things like, and that's all good. And it's, and it is, it's important. But if you want to really have your wife follow your lead, being a good man is the way to do it because a woman will naturally follow us, a, a, a man with integrity, a good man. And treating your wife as your queen and lifting her up, that is just as important as your wife submitting to you as a man. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Wow. Wow. Anthony, about a, any final words for us? Um, just hang tight, everyone. Like we're all Catholic. We're still good. We all love one another and really form communities. I, I've had such an amazing experience this weekend with the men that I've met at this conference and even some of the women that, that I've met here. They've been so the reception I got from my talk. I was so nervous to give it. And the people have been so kind to me and so and just so much support. I'm I'm just so, so happy about all the relationships I met while I've been here this week. Honor speaking with you. You too, John Henry. You're amazing too. I, I really have had such a wonderful time with you this weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect